0: Well, hello, 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 and we are back. Welcome to Federal Workers' Coffee Break Podcast. Good to have you here. Whether you got here on your own or someone referred you to us, we are glad to have you. Today we're going to have a really interesting discussion, talking about a pretty dense subject that has to do with a lot of workers' compensation, financial compensation questions. So this is part two. Of our first discussion which is using the form CA-7 and that CA-7 we discussed earlier we're going to talk about the second part of that form which is known as the CA-7A and form CA-7B so as usual before we get started we'd like to get our uh, coffee going and if uh, you're like me, you like a little coffee and sugar, I'll wait for you to get your coffee ready. But today I'd also tell you to to um, also uh, get your uh, notebooks out, because this is a dense one. This is not an easy subject matter, and I'm even going to skip some um, some relevant subject matter on this particular topic, because I think that I'm going to have to do the some of the specific details of how uh, compensation breaks down, uh, money, financial. Who who's eligible for it? From um, you know family members, etc. I'll do that as a separate discussion. So, without further ado, if you got your coffee ready and your notebook out, and you're ready to hit the pause button and take notes at times during this dense material, let's get started. First of all, I want to uh, welcome you again, and I want to tell you that here at Federal Workers Comp Coffee Break Podcast. Um, We discuss all sorts of topics related to OWCP, the Federal Employee Compensation Act, DOL, Longshore, and any other type of federal workers' compensation, including military, VA, etc. In this short Coffee Break format, we discuss typically topics that are related to filing appropriate injury claims, rules and provisions and rights and responsibilities, that you have as an injured worker, and we cover tips on how to successfully navigate Federal Workers' Comp to assist you with your claim. Some people have claims that are financial, some people have claims that are uh, associated with another family member's injury or their disability benefits, etc. So we cover all of that material, but we like to do it in a short coffee break format so that it's not too long, and it usually lasts about the length of a good long, topic of discussion with a cup of coffee so let's dive right in so part two of our original podcast of ca7 forms where we talked about in our original discussion the usage of the form ca7 we did not discuss the usage of its sister forms the ca7a and the ca7b which are a little more situationally specific Okay, and the first podcast went on CA7, we discussed utilizing form CA7 for things like uh, your, your benefit types, your wage losses, your adjudication, and your scheduled awards. I'll review that a little bit here just for a second, and then we'll dive into the other. Now, uh, let's review again, first of all, the subject matter that's relevant to CA7. That's the most common questions that are brought up to me, okay? Form CA-7 is used to claim compensation for wage loss while in a leave without pay status, okay? If that status is due to disability or absence or to obtain medical treatment after continuation of pay period for traumatic injury cases of 45 days. These are the most common use of CA-7 forms. The form CA-7 is also used to claim leave buyback, but we use that Um, more appropriately with form CA 7b and we'll talk about that later scheduled award or lost pay elements that'll be your you know it was holiday pay Sunday premiums uh, your differential because you're working at night all these different factors you're going to be using your form CA 7s form CA 7s can also be submitted by you the injured worker every two weeks while you're disabled and in a leave without pay status unless um, you are uh, being placed on what's called periodic role. And we'll talk about that in a second. For traumatic injury cases, Form CA-7 should be completed before the end of the continuation of pay period if disability is going to continue past that 45-day period of continuing pay allows. Now, let's talk briefly about scheduled awards with CA-7 because then when we do a review, that's where I get the most emails from you guys. So let's review the CA-7. In the um, Code of Federal Registry 5 U.S.C. 8107, there is compensation for the permanent loss or loss of use of specific members, functions, and organs of the body. Okay, that's also known as your scheduled award. The payment is made for a specific number of days or weeks according to the severity of payment a scheduled award may not be paid concurrently with the loss of wage compensation related to the same specified members or organs and functions of the body, but may be paid concurrently, which means you cannot be receiving off work benefits and a scheduled award at the same time. Now, federal law does not allow for payment of a scheduled award for impairment to the back, the heart or the brain. However, a back injury may result in an impairment to another part of the body, most commonly your appendages, your arms and legs. Then, if you have a documented medical evidence of dysfunction and permanent changes or impairment to these arms and legs, other parts of the body, um, which would be those, would be eligible for a scheduled award. Most importantly, remember, the scheduled awards require, first and foremost, medical evidence from an approved DOL OWCP provider. The medical evidence must show that that specific area, the body part, the organ, and the organ's function, has reached a permanent and fixed state. You will commonly hear your doctor refer to that as the date of maximum medical improvement. Describe the impairment in sufficient detail so that the OWCP and DOL can visualize the character and the degree of impairment in the submitted documents. You also have to get a provider to do an impairment rating that provides a percentage evaluation of the impairment in terms of the affected member or function, not the body as a whole, except for impairment to the lungs, according to the new guidelines that they're using, which is the sixth edition of the AMA Guidelines to Permanent Impairment. A lump sum payment, scheduled award benefits, okay? I gotta tell you this, I wanna say this quickly because this is a common question. There's no absolute right to a lump sum payment of scheduled award benefits. It's not written in the Code of Federal Registry laws and rules and provisions. But I've seen them afforded people if there's cases presented in such a way that it, it merits it and it's based on individual merits. So you can have a lump sum payment of scheduled Award benefits, but it's not very common and it's not guaranteed. And it may be made where the evidence shows that such a payment would be um, in your the, your uh, best interest. Now, every case is individually merited, so in general, a lump sum will not be considered in your best interest just because of the following, where the compensation payments are relied upon as a substitute for lost wages, the most common grievance and email question I get on the subject matter. All right, now on to the CA-7A and 7B forms. And if you want to know more about lost wages, adjudication, COP, and CA-7s, you can go back to the first podcast. We're going to move on to CA-7A and CA-7B forms now. First, this first uh, form is known as the CA-7A. Now, it's also known as the time analysis form. The time analysis form, I'll leave the link for this one so that you can go and download it and review it. But here's what it's used for. Uh, you use the time analysis form when you need to supplement form CA-7. Instead of a uh, CA-7, you're gonna supplement it when disability and or time loss from work is intermittent or for partial days, okay? It's not a continuation of days and weeks. There's off and on time. Allows for individual hours to be claimed on specific days in a claim period rather than full days. It is also used to document and claim time lost due to DOL related medical appointments and treatment. Okay. Compensation payments for medical appointments must be supported by attendance records and or medical evidence in file. I recommend that you document both. Okay. The DOLOWCP Form CA-7B is known as the Leave Buyback Worksheet Certification and Election. This one, the leave buyback especially, when an injured worker elects to use this uh, accrued sick or annual leave during a period of disability, he or she may later, with the concurrence of your uh, employing agency, claim compensation for the period of disability and buy back the leave that you used now this can be found in the DFVC procedure manual and it's also listed under the federal registry as part of federal law at 20 CFR subsection 10.425 the FICA does not govern whether a claimant may or may not buy back leave from an employee agency And any decisions by the employee agency to disallow leave buyback, again, is not a decision of OWCP over which the Employees' Compensation Appeals Board may exercise jurisdiction. So if you're not sure, I I submit that you should direct your questions to HR and uh, your union representatives and review your employee contract agreement you may be a division of the government where there is special modifications and accommodations depending on what branch of service in the government you work at. In leave buyback, the employing agency and injured worker must complete form CA-7B, and it must provide an estimate of the cost to you, the injured worker, to reinstate the used leave. Your district office makes the determination of whether or not the medical evidence is sufficient to support all the hours claimed, and if there's medical evidence for all hours claimed but employing agency's estimate of FICA entitlements is off by more than say 10% then the claims examiner will advise you and is required and a- that she ask if you wish to continue with the leave repurchase and try to come up with an agreement to settle that if it's, you have uh, a discrepancy in the the time of, of 10% or less now, OWCP and DOL make their payments directly to employing agencies and the address is provided on the form CA-7B. Now, on this leave buyback worksheet, you have to understand that you need to complete, it is completed by the employing agency and it provides the injured worker with an estimate of the cost to restore, to restore any sick or annual leave used as a result of the work injury. Remember, the CA-7 wasn't like that at all. The CA-7 was filled out by you. There was no employer stuff. The CA-7B does have an employer section to be filled out. In section three, specifically a form CA-7B, if you had the chance to download it, you can review it right now. Um, in section three, it provides you with an election to pursue the leave buyback based on the employee agency's estimate. That means you're calculating compensation, your pay rate, and your pay rate for compensation is based on the following. Date of injury, date that disability began, or the date of reoccurrence When disability reoccurs at least six months after return to regular full-time employment. Now, when you're trying to calculate compensation, there are some elements of pay that are included and elements of pay that are excluded. Let's go over the, the included ones first, okay? So the following elements of pay are included in comparison. Uh, in calculating your employee pay rate first of all your employee uh, salary the full salary your full cash wages they call it night or shift differentials if it's applicable extra compensation premium pay for Sunday or holiday work administratively uncontrolled overtime uh, extra pay that's received by immigration and customs inspectors availability pay for criminal investigators Okay, heavy duty pay for rural carriers. There are quarters allowance for overseas personnel and there's dirty work pay, hazard pay, locality pay, and COLA and remote worksite allowance. You need to double check to see if any of those are applicable to your particular, particular um, job specifically. Now let's go over elements of pay when you're calculating your compensation that are excluded. Okay, these are not included. Okay, first of all, overtime pay. Okay, when you're computing an employee pay rate to create a, a, a CA-7B calculating compensation, you cannot include overtime pay. You cannot include locality or CLA pay for an employee that's outside of the U.S. Okay, if you're working for a U.S. embassy or if you're offside working in another place, a uh, contractor, you may not uh, be able to use your locality pay bonus or premium pay for extraordinary service per diems while you're in a travel status allowance for use of personal vehicle unemployment compensations earnings as an activated reservist or national guard member when the activation is not a result of a presidential call and earnings as a reservist or national guard member when the membership is not a condition of the employee's civilian employment with the guard or reserve now for the sake of brevity I will not cover who is qualified for compensation, okay, because this gets into a great lengthy detailed discussion because it talks about uh, who qualifies, including family members, uh, maximum minimums of 66 and two-thirds is 75%, whether you're a GS this or a GS that, and also compensation, uh, how it affects your health benefits or your death benefits. I'll cover all that information in detail on another podcast. That detail is pretty dense. All right. Now, when you're talking about wage loss payments, don't forget, there are two types of roles. You will use, you'll see this term used by your employee agency and your claims examiner. One is called a daily role, and one's called a periodic role. Daily role is used for payment of short periods of disability or intermittent hours of wage loss. That's daily role. Periodic role is used for payment of extended periods of disability where the payment's issued once every four weeks following a payment cycle. Okay, that's when you're off of work for 30 days at a time and, you know, six to nine months. Those are called periodic roles. Okay? Now, let's go through some scenarios because these scenarios is what warranted this podcast, especially with email questions. One of the common email questions, I got this twice in the last month, is... Dr. Taylor, if my injury causes me to miss time for my work, how do I get paid for those lost hours or get my sick leave paid back? I can't tell you how many times I get that question. It's very common. I'm shocked at how many times that people say, I was told that I can't get it back by my employee and agency representative. So here's how it applies. You may find yourself Okay, As an injured worker in several situations, sorry, I'm going to go through some of these situations that may cause you to lose time from work due to your accepted injury or illness. You could lose time for work because, say, your treating doctor deems you totally temporarily disabled or temporarily disabled from working because of your injury or illness. You may require uh, medical treatments, therapy treatments, diagnostic appointments, any of these things during your normal working hours. Okay, Or what about if your doctor determines you can return to work with restrictions and you cannot work a full hour a day, but can work a limited number of hours per day? Okay, that's another one. Another common situation is when your doctor returns you back to work full time with restrictions, but your employer cannot accommodate your restrictions. They don't have any modified duty uh, for the shift work that is listed, whether it's full or part time day. And they tell you to go home. In all of these examples, you will always need to file a Form CA-7 claim for compensation with your employing agency. The only exception to this requirement is if you filed a traumatic injury claim, then for the first 45 days, you are entitled to continuation of pay. If you're entitled to continuation of pay, your employing agency will pay you for the first 45 days, just like you normally would get your work if, uh, your work check if you were still working, up to 45 days. Worker's Comp will not be paying you, you'll get your regular check. If you're still disabled from working after the 45-day period, you will then need to start submitting a CA-7 to your employing agency, okay? Now, if you're a postal employee, listen up, because you guys are required to have a three-day waiting period to start your continuation of pay. This three-day waiting period is waived if you're out of work for 14 days or more. Now hear this, this is important. You will need to have the Postal Service do a pay adjustment for those first three days, unless you go to somebody who's a medical provider who has stated in your report that you will be out of work for more than 14 days in their initial report. Then you can get automatically uh, get your Postal Service pay you for those three days. But if your lost time from work okay, is off and on, and it's uh, it's not a run of consistent days off for more than 14 days maybe you do three days here a couple of days a couple of weeks later that kind of stuff then you will need to also file a form ca7 but this time you're going to be filing the ca7a that's called the time analysis form that we discussed earlier and that goes with your ca7 okay in that situation you're going to file both the CA-7A will document your leave without pay hours along with your hours worked or hours that you might have used sick or annual leaves for the date you're claiming wage loss compensation for. Keep in mind, if you're, keep, if you're claiming wage loss compensation for time missed from work to attend a medical appointment or some kind of treatment therapy or diagnostic testing, your claim for compensation will not be paid until OWCP receives medical evidence that you attended those appointments. So if you paid for parking, if you took an Uber, if you have a medical report for the visit, anything, it's, you, you wanna submit that evidence to demonstrate that you did attend. Now, if your employee and agency is enrolled for submissions of forms via e you may file these forms CA seven, CA seven A's and B's on the ECOMP site. And if you're not sure about ECOMP, you can go back and see the, the podcast that I did, one of the first three or four, where we discussed ECOMP uh, in great detail. So don't be surprised if you do submit these forms through ECOMP. Uh, a common thing that I get an email about is when your people say that their employer. Uh, well, it reached out to them and told them that they have to submit their forms with the actual handwritten signature on them. Technically, if you use eComp, according to OWCP, um, it is clear that when you upload something into eComp, that by submitting the form, you are electronically signing the form. So, when your employee asks for this technically they're asking for more than is required your employer cannot delay the submission of these forms to OWCP just because they want a handwritten signature on them. but anyway, I digress you get the point. I recommend you do both get the handwritten signature and upload them in ecom they they must submit your CA7 and your CA7a within five working days of the date they receive them. all right keep up keep up with that now, I go over this stuff with you today because I want you to start paying attention. CA7, CA7As, and CA7Bs that we discussed today are commonly abused. A lot of employers are not very cooperative with this stuff. And I want you to understand that you do have rights. And you do have the right to file this stuff. And I can't tell you how many people use their sick leave and never buy it back. They don't do these partial time off. They just use their sick leave. They don't mess with the hassle. And it's not fair. There are federal rules and provisions and your employing agencies are supp- supposed to be trained in this stuff. So it's important that you understand your rights and that you understand what you should be compensated for. Okay. All right. So guys, that about does it for the episode of Federal Workers' Comp Copy Prank Podcast. Um, first of all, thanks for joining us. I want to thank you for listening. I want to remind you to share this podcast with any other federal workers that you think would benefit from this information. Very grateful if you do that. Also if you need an approved medical provider for your DOL OWCP or long short case in Florida, you can actually find me and my doctors in Tampa at two different locations uh, and also in Jacksonville in Florida. Uh, I have patients from Miami all the way up to Gainesville and uh, into uh, Panama City, all over the state. Uh, of course, I have claim claimants all over the country as well. But if you want to make a cons yeah, I can talk. Make a consultation with me. Uh, just call us here at the clinic at 813-877-6900. And also, listen, if you're in another state and you want me to assist you with your claims, questions, or assistance for free, just like I do this free podcast, just email me and let me know what you and your doctors uh, running into problems with at fedcompconsultants at protonmail.com, okay, Consultants at protonmail.com. All right, I'm taking a sip of my coffee here. Uh, So I'm going to get this coffee warmed up again and get going. But as usual, I always want to thank all of you who put on that uniform, that badge, deliver that mail. Uh, Take care of us veterans and uh, make this government run. A big thank you. I do this for free for you guys. I couldn't do it without you. You know we cannot do all this without you guys going to work and and putting up with all the, the bureaucracy of being a federal worker or military or Uh, whatever branch of service that you're in. So this is a big thank you to you. And remember, if you are um, a federal worker that uh, this applies to and you have an injury federal claim and you need assistance, I'm here to help. See you next time. I'm off to get my coffee.